Welcome to Moneyline, this is Matt McCall. Thanks for joining me here today on a Friday, wrapping up the week. A big move in the market after extremely disappointing jobs numbers. We'll explain what's really going on, why stocks are rallying, and why the tech stocks are making a big comeback today. Also, we're gonna talk about cryptos. Man, some of these altcoins are really doing well. We're gonna talk about housing. Some of these housing stocks have gotten crushed. The future of housing I'm talking about and some opportunities there. We're gonna also take a look at solid state batteries. We all know I love that. We're gonna name some names. Then, used cars. Doesn't sound too exciting, but the future of selling cars is big. The numbers have been great. All this and more coming up right now on Moneyline. The buck starts here. Moneyline with Matt McCall. All right, folks, once again, this is Matt McCall. Thanks for joining me. It is May 7th, 2021. It's a Friday, wrapping up the week. As you can see behind me, I'll talk about that in a moment. The market is uh, hopping today. S&P uh, right now is up about 35.8 tenths of percent. We got the Dow up about a half percent. NASDAQ up 1.4. Russell 2000 up about 1.1%. That's a small cap index. And is about 11.36 or so East Coast time. Friday morning, give you an idea of where we're at right now. So let's talk about the big news of the day. And um, we're going to talk about it in a bit of a different way because we're going to talk about why the jobs number is important to you and what it means and why stocks are moving on a missed number. Because I think it's, it's something we have to take a, a bigger picture look at. It may not be the most exciting thing, but it's something you need to understand. So the estimate was for 1 million jobs to be created uh, in April in, in this country. So we saw the number coming at 266,000. So way off, almost three quarters of a million jobs off, which is insane. It was the uh, worst miss. And when I, when, when I say miss, it means not the jobs missed, the economists missed. The worst economists missed since 1998. You know, I, I, I've always said that economists, uh, you know, if I do it again, I, I may go back and be economist because you don't ever have to be right. Economists are like the worst weather person in the world where they tell you we were in a recession six months after the recession began. It's too late. It's like the weather person saying, well, it's raining out today. No shit. I could tell you that and look outside. Tell me what it's gonna be doing two days from now. Tell me when you believe that the economy is gonna go into a recession or when it's gonna come out of a recession. They look backwards. It's, it's a job where you don't have to look ahead. And if you look at the, the times they do look ahead, they're one of, I did a study about a year and a half ago on uh, economists that pre, attempt to, I should say, uh, predict uh, recessions. The success rate, I'm, I'm trying to remember the number, it's, I think it's like 12%. I mean, basically one out of 10 times, they're right. That is horrible. Any other job you'd be canned immediately. So they're obviously very wrong here. They expected the unemployment rate to fall from 6% last month to 5.8%. Well, it actually went the other way, went up to 6.1%. So why did stocks jump on this news? Why are stocks up across the board? Uh, the Dow, the S&P, the NASDAQ, and the Russell 2000 small cap are all up. Well, a few things. Well, it's good news for those that believe the Fed and the Federal Reserve is going to take this wait and see attitude towards raising rates because this definitely lets them sit on the sidelines a little bit longer without having to raise rates. Uh, the other big uh, factor, especially affecting some of the growth stocks, is inflation expectations. This kind of tells us, well, all right, maybe inflation isn't going to ramp up as quickly as possible with so many more people sitting on sidelines. Maybe the economy won't ramp up as quickly as possible. I, I, you know, you take this for what it's worth, it's one month. 
The jobs numbers can be very volatile, so it's something you have to keep in mind. But if we look back, they actually revised March's number, which originally came in at a gain of 916,000 jobs. They revised that down to 770,000. So, uh, but if you go back further, February's was actually up from like four and change to five and change, 500,000 uh, and change. So it's really, it is volatile. It is all over the place. Uh, originally, when a number came out, the NASDAQ jumped and the Dow fell because people are looking to go really back into these growth stocks because they believe inflation will stay low for a while. They believe uh, interest rates will stay low for a while, which in turn would be good uh, for the growth stocks in theory. I'll get more into that in a minute. So what this really shows me, though, a, a lot of it is that the difficulty right now is not the fact that there's not enough jobs out there employers are having a very difficult time finding employees to fill the jobs, especially lower paying jobs because of the stimulus checks that keep getting sent out, because of the unemployment benefits uh, higher than usual being uh, extended out even further. A lot of people make the same, if not even a little bit more, staying home versus going back to work and working 40 hours a week. I'm a worker bee, I've always worked, so I couldn't sit home, I'd go bananas, but I see why some people do it. I don't back it or believe in it, and I don't blame the people sitting at home as much as I blame the government for dangling the money in front of them and forcing them basically to stay home. So I, I, that's an issue, and you, you could talk to anybody in a restaurant business, anybody in the service business that has lower paying jobs on their payroll, it's impossible to get people. It's nearly impossible to get people to fill the jobs. Again, because they have money coming in, unemployment coming in, they feel like they don't need it. And that's a very, very troublesome uh, situation we're sitting in. Because what that could lead to is that could force inflation. Because what can happen is employers are forced to pay more to get the employees off their butt into the office or into the restaurant, wherever the, the jobs may be. The problem is, a lot of these companies that do employ lower paying jobs, they work on razor thin margins, which means that they can't raise the hourly rate because they won't be making enough money to stay in business. So we're in a really, really precarious situation right now. I don't know how it plays out. I think the one way to do is kind of cut off the spigot, force people to get back to work because according to the numbers that I have here, for every job opening right now, uh, there are 1.1 unemployed people uh, out there looking for a job. So that tells me, you know, maybe not every job matches up perfectly, so I, I get that, but uh, that is a very, uh, very telling number that there are people out there. Um, as you can imagine, the, the people that were hiring were um, the hospitality, of course, uh, but at the same time, you have manufacturing service sectors, they reported finding workers again throughout April. Could these be a temporary shortage? I don't know. Uh, could it be something we see come back? I hope so. Um, the job growth in the leisure and hospitality, as I just mentioned, was up 331,000. And that, that, more than half of that was linked to for, uh, food service and bars, as more, uh, you know, obviously restaurants open up fully, bars back open once again. So the U.S. right now, as we stand, we're still down about 9.8 million jobs from the peak pandemic uh, level. So we still have quite a ways to go. About 2.8 million Americans have cited that health crisis, obviously the pandemic's the reason that they didn't seek employment in April. That, that, I find that amazing. But the number was 3.7 million in March, so that's good. It's down quite a bit. 
2.1 million people said that their unemployment was temporary. Uh, that's up a little bit from 2 million in March. Uh, but the uh, pandemic peak was about 18 million. Prior to that was 700,000. Uh, 9.4 million people said the coronavirus was the primary reason an employer ended operations uh, in April. That's down from 11.4, so hopefully that gets better as more people get vaccines, more things are opening up. Uh, this is an interesting one, too. 18.3% of working Americans said they worked remotely in April. Uh, this was down from 21% uh, in March. All in all, uh, what we're seeing here, though, is a situation where uh, the economy is reopening. A lot of businesses are either uh, reopening their doors for the first time or ramping up, trying to get back to where they were pre-pandemic, and there's a trouble finding uh, workers. Uh, that's the bottom line. Will it lead to inflation? I don't know, but it, the big picture here is, you know, I've always said that we're gonna get back to normal pretty quickly. Maybe it's a little longer than I think. Maybe it takes another 12 to 18 months to get back to where we were, just because a lot of businesses may not come back to full force. And if we can't get people in there to work, we can't keep up with the demand for goods and services. So again, the next couple of months are gonna be really tricky. I think this number is gonna be all over the place. Bottom line here though is that the market views this in one way. And let me pull up the uh, chart here for you. Here's the S&P 500. As you can see, we're up about eight tenths of percent at an all time high. This is spiders that we're looking at. So uh, obviously rallying on the news. Let's take a look here at the NASDAQ, the Q's up even better, 1.4% today. And uh, let's take a look at the small cap stocks, the IWN, Russell 2000, up 1.1% today. Now let's take a look at one more. This is an ETF, the ARK Innovation ETF, which has gotten crushed down 30, over 30% from the high in February, up 3.2% today. The reason for this is you're, you're starting to see some of these beaten up companies that people were so concerned about the potential of inflation, the potential of higher interest rates, and it's not really playing out the way they thought. Let me take a look at one more chart here, and this is really important, and I'm gonna go to full screen. This is the uh, yield on the 10-year uh, bond. It actually fell, it's not showing right here, but in, this morning before it opened, the yield on a 10-year fell below 1.5% to a two-month low. Right now, we're about 1.55%, so it's bounced off that level. But the reason we're seeing it at this level right now is the fact that, again, people, the expectations of the Fed raising interest rates anytime in the near future has lowered dramatically. And, you know, again, I, I've talked about this number a lot, and I'm gonna zoom out a little bit and show you why. If we go back to pre-pandemic, let's go back to February here. Uh, you know, we're at, we were at about 1.7% or so in a 10-year. Then, of course, we plummeted down to 0.4, but we're still at that same level, folks. We're not at a level that is, that is really troublesome at this point. So higher interest rates, I think you throw that argument out the window as far as, being a potential of, of really cratering some of these stocks. So for me, when I look at this chart back here, this tells me things should be good for you know foreseeable future when it comes to um, uh, stocks and especially growth stocks. And I think the pullback that we've seen has created one hell of an opportunity for us. So again, when it comes to these yields, just just keep in mind, you know, that I don't see the Fed doing anything anytime soon uh, for fear of kind of uh, coming in front of this uh, potential massive recovery we're seeing, I think if anything, they'll be late to the game and they'll wait till the recovery is well months or maybe a year into it 
before they risk raising interest rates and hurting this recovery. Again, so that to me leads to a lot of these growth stocks that have gotten beaten up as great, great buying opportunities right here. And that's why when you look at the ARK Innovation ETF, we went through this last show, if you want to get a, you know, kind of look into it. Last Tuesday, I talked about this, uh, or sorry, last Wednesday, just two days ago. You can see here on this chart how beaten up they are. Not every stock's gonna come back, but we went through a couple of stocks. A lot of these stocks will come back and are great buying opportunities down 30, 40, 50%, some of them from their all-time highs. All right, so that's where we stand with the market, but I wanted you to know why the market's moving, because a lot of times people just don't get it or the, the media doesn't give it to you correctly. That is why the market's reacting like it is uh, right now. So keep that in mind. All right, now that we've talked about the markets, let's get into something a little bit more exciting. Uh, we're gonna take a look now at, at a few different areas and um, we'll jump into cryptos first and we're gonna take a look at the housing market. We're gonna take a look at solid state batteries, used cars, believe it or not, very exciting right now. And a lot of stocks we're gonna talk about here at the same time. So let's talk crypto here really quick. And um, if you take a look at just Bitcoin, most people look just at Bitcoin, right? Uh, Bitcoin's at 57,600 right now, uh, basically flat in the last 24 hours. Uh, if we take a look at the performance over the last week though, uh, Bitcoin's up about 7.4%. Uh, last month it's flat as well. So it really has been kind of quiet, if you will, less volatile than some of the altcoins. All that being said, man oh man, some of these altcoins are really rocking and rolling. And if I, I take a look at um, one, one of our uh, portfolios in the ultimate crypto po ultimate crypto portfolio, uh, you'll see we're crushing. And again, we I've talked about this a lot. This was launched on January seventh of twenty twenty, and in this portfolio, not all were added then. We had about four that were added this year as well. Some not too uh, not too long ago, but the average gain right now on this portfolio of these fifteen, average gain, folks, thirteen hundred percent. That's fourteen x. 1,300%, that's insane. So you're seeing a huge, huge return in some of these. And I'm looking through, uh, we have one right now, it's up 4,500% since January 7th, 4,500%. It, it was recommended at three cents and change, now at a buck 71, man. So, and I, you know, my, my thing is, I always look and see how much, you know, I don't, I don't own any of the same uh, altcoins in there. Only one I have is Bitcoin that, that we ever recommended, but I don't own anything else that we have for our subscribers. But I look at my account right here, and right now, holy smokes, I'm not even joking. I'd, I'd show you, but I'm not going to show you. It just recently spiked to a new all-time high in the last hour since I checked it before I did this. So I... I, I a great way to diversify portfolio, especially like us. We're in a lot of growth stocks that have pulled back recently. At the same time, though, the cryptos are breaking out to a new all-time high. So keep that in mind. Diversification is truly key. And I think that you're going to see Bitcoin, this, this, this action recently in the last month, as I mentioned, basically unchanged in the last month. Coiling, getting ready. When you coil something up and then you let it go, the more coils, the bigger it goes. I think we're seeing a massive explosion up to 100,000 by the end of the year. I think it happens before the end of the year. Uh, I think it happens in the next couple of months, honestly. Uh, who knows what the hell Elon Musk says about it when he's on uh, uh, SNL, if anything, when he's on uh, Saturday Night Live. He's hosting, if anybody doesn't know, this Saturday. I think Saturday Night Live's gone downhill, but I will probably try to stay up and watch it. I won't be able to stay up, but uh, keep an eye. I'm curious as to what he says. I'm, I'm a fan of Elon Musk. So, so something to, uh, to, to keep in mind. Diversification is very important, people. Even you know, if you don't think putting it into altcoins is diversification, it is. It's not as correlated to the market as you believe, as we see with the prices here. 
All right, so let's talk about the housing market. And I know this does not sound exciting at all, but let me just pull up a, a chart here for you. And as you can see, this is the ITB. And it's, it's right now, it'd be closing at an all-time high. This is the iShares Dow Jones US Home Construction Index ETF. It's a mouthful, but it's at an all-time high. And um, you know, at the same time, uh, the percentage of respondents uh, that came out recently in a study who said it's a good time to buy a home is now only at 47%. That's down from 53% just last month. And you know, the, the, the other question I asked people, it's kind of the other way into it, uh, they asked them uh, if it was a good time to buy a home, I just mentioned, and they also asked uh, if they think it's a bad time to buy. It went up from 40% to 48%. So people not only think it's not a good time, they think it's actually a bad time to be buying a home. And uh, so at the same time, you're seeing the housing stocks break out. Uh, to me, I, I, I think the housing stocks continue to move higher, all related in, in different areas, uh, whether it be the home builders, uh, whether it be the suppliers, uh, whether it be the, the companies that make uh, treks. Uh, you know, we all know lumber has been one of the best performing asset classes. I think it's probably the second best performing asset class in the last year, year and a half behind cryptos. I think that's the only thing that's, that's been beating it out there. Um, so if we take a look at ITB, it's pretty interesting to see what stocks it's made up of. Uh, it's really a basket, the, t the top holdings, DR Horton, home builder, Lennar, home builder, NVR, home builder, Pulte Homes, home builder. Then we get into some of these secondary plays, the uh, ancillary plays, if you will. Home Depot, Sherman Williams, Lowe's, top build. Uh, then we go back to Toll Brothers, another home builder, Masco, a secondary play. Fortune Brands, home and security. Think about that, home and security. That, that makes sense if you have more, building more homes, right? Um, very, very interesting though. It's, it's, it's a mix between both the home builders and the secondary plays, the suppliers of different types of products and services for the home building industry. But if I look at these numbers, you know, it took an average of uh, 19 days to sell a home during the four week period ended May 2nd. Uh, that's according to Redfin. Uh, and I'll talk about Redfin here in a moment. It's the fastest pace since they started tracking in 2012. It's down from an average of 35 days uh, just one year ago. So that's a Hell, that's almost, it's down about 45%. Um, and, and this is an amazing number. 45% of homes went under contract in under a week. Oh, and another record, 48% uh, of homes sold for more than a list price. This is up 20 percentage points from one year earlier. Home prices, of course, because of that, are up about 11% year over year. And you're seeing a real uh, trouble when it comes to uh, inventory of homes. That's another reason you're seeing home prices go so high. So let's take a, take a look outside the box here. Now you all know, you know, I talked about all the home builders I, I just mentioned here, but let's take a look at, at some other stocks uh, that might be a little more exciting, if you will. So let's take a look here at, at one, and this is one I've talked about many times in the past, and this is Zillow Group, uh, symbol Z. Uh, this stock is way up over the last year. It was down in the 20s, ran over about, about a little over 200 bucks, Back down to 110, now it's at 120. So yes, it's well off the highs, folks, I'll give you that, but it's still up about 3X, 4X almost from where it was uh, about 11 months ago. So let's take things in, in, in perspective, all right? I, I love this pullback here in Zillow. Zillow is about a 29.9, let's call it $30 billion company. You take a look at its financials, uh, it reported 3.34 billion in sales last year, up from 2.7 a year earlier. We look at estimates going out a couple years, 5.5 billion this year, 
up to 11.9 billion in 2023. So you're seeing a huge, huge growth potential. And you go out to 2025, heck, we're looking at 20 billion. So it's trading like one-time sales, 20 billion, or not quite one-time sales, uh, one and change time sales, uh, 2025. Then you look at uh, earnings per share, because obviously you want to see the bottom line doing, uh, doing well also. And uh, this year, looking for earnings per share about a buck 11, up to about a buck 77 uh, in 2023. But again, steady, steady increase. It's pricey based on just the numbers that we see right here. Uh, that being said, uh, I think you know, the future of real estate is Zillow, it's Redfin, it's the companies that I, I've been saying this for, for a long time. The traditional realtor we see today will be extinct by the end of the roaring 20s. Extinct. And I know there's realtors watching, I know people that get angry with me. I just had a, uh, just saw my niece and nephews this past week, a few days ago. My brother-in-law uh, is a, a partner in a very large real estate firm. So he probably isn't too happy I'm saying this. Uh, but honestly, I, I think uh, th there will be a few percentage of, of realtors that are very good that will make it. The rest won't. So start looking for another job or start thinking outside the box because uh, I think you're going to need to, uh, unfortunately for you in the near future. But it's fortunate for home buyers because the experience will get much better. Costs will go down. Uh, timing will go down. Uh, much, much more efficient. Uh, you're going to see a lot of things change. So, so that's one I think we should take a look at. And for full disclosure, we do have that for uh, um, subscribers here at our Investor Place uh, newsletter. The next one I want to take a look at here and pull up on the screen is Redfin. It's basically their direct competitor, if you will, to Zillow. Much smaller though. Uh, you know, I mentioned Zillow was, what did I say? I've already lost, uh, I forgot what it was, uh, 30, about 30 billion. And you have Redfin at about 5.8 billion. So about one fifth the size, but very similar chart. They had earnings this week and they got crushed on earnings. And I, and I thought it was a really stupid reason to sell. Uh, I thought the numbers were fantastic. Again, let's take a look at these financials. Uh, 2019, 779 million in sales, 2020, 886. Again, this is a time where it's tough to buy homes because a large portion of the year it was shut down. People weren't buying homes. And you look at the estimates going forward, again, just as impressive, from 880 uh, million, uh, million last year, this year, potential 1.7 billion, up to about 2.5 billion uh, in 2023, making money, uh, first annual profit likely next year, 43 cents a share, up to about a buck 10 uh, the year after that. So again, you're seeing huge potential growth uh, here. When you look at Redfin, top line growth potential, 24%, bottom line, 50%. By 2025, you're looking for revenue uh, up to about 3.6 billion. Again, only about a $5.8 billion company. Earnings per share, about almost three bucks in a few years from now. Again, first stock trading at 56 bucks and that type of growth. I, I see huge potential. I think Redfin and Zillow, and Redfin for full disclosure, we do own for some clients at my money manager and Penn Financial Group. So. I think there's great, great opportunity in real estate. And for people who keep calling it a bubble, you know, they'll eventually be right. The people who call for bear markets and call for bubbles, say it, say it, say it, say it, and eventually you're right. But the thing is, if you're missing out on this last, you know, not last, but this big run up right now, uh, you're, it doesn't matter if you called it because even the pullback's gonna be probably higher than where they started calling a bubble. It just doesn't make sense, uh, you know, but again, the media will spin it any way they want to. So. Before we get into solid state batteries, we're gonna stay with kind of the, the consumer type angle here, if you will. And we're gonna talk about uh, used cars. And it doesn't sound like the most exciting thing in the world. However, 
Used cars, uh, monthly price increase here for April, UBS estimates it's gonna be the largest monthly price increase uh, in, in used cars in 68 years, folks. It looks like prices uh, have risen between 8.2 and 9.3% month over month. Uh, man, oh man, they've been, they've been tracking this number, UBS, for 68 years, and this would be the biggest monthly. So why? Well, it's pretty easy. The economy's reopening, people are getting out there. Uh, more stimulus checks. That's <laughs> pretty simple. People want to buy stuff. Uh, apparently, people want new cars. That's kind of the stuff, things people like to buy. Cars are a terrible investment, by the way, uh, unless you're doing classic cars or something. The other thing is the big move that we've seen from people out of cities into the suburbs. You know, I, I didn't have a car for well over a decade uh, because I always lived in cities and I didn't need a car. It just didn't make sense. The insurance, the parking, and it was much faster to walk, take the subway, uh, hop on a city bike, jump in a taxi, Uber, whatever. Uh, it was cheaper, faster, I didn't have to deal with the hassle of a car. And if I need to get out of the city, I'd rent one. So it, it doesn't make sense. But now as there's more people moving to the burbs, the sudden need for cars. The other thing I see is family formation is increasing different types of cars. Maybe maybe add one car to the household. Maybe you have to get the minivan. Um, you also see more millennials uh, making more money, upgrading cars. A lot of stuff going on here for driving the, the used car market right now. So again, that doesn't sound exciting, but what I'd like to do here is what this means for you. I used to do a, a daily email and I put stories in there and I used to have the story the headline, and then I had what's called McCall's Call. Why, why it means to you. I also used to call it the bottom line. Why do you care that used car prices are going up? Why do you care about those housing uh, statistics I showed you? Because to me, it shows me that, that there's still a huge demand for housing, inventory's low, and that these companies should continue to do well. The Redfins, the Zillows of the world. Same thing now with used cars. So let's take a look at used cars. And again, we're not looking at the traditional used cars, we're looking at the future of used cars. We don't look behind, folks. We look to the future. And here's Carvana. Uh, and this is a, simple, a, a, a nice looking chart here. It's consolidating since December. Uh, support around 240, resistance at 320. If it breaks out of that, this stock is absolutely gonna run. I'm looking at a long-term chart here. This is simply consolidation, folks. Some people say, well, the, the run's over. I, I don't agree. I disagree 100%. So Carvana is about a $50 billion company. It's pretty damn big and they have the online e-commerce platform. And if you take a look at, at, at you know, the, the future growth of this company, the projections are top line growth uh, revenue in the next four years will grow annually by 28%, bottom line uh, earnings growing uh, annually by 51.5%. Last year, it had uh, reported just under 5.6 billion in sales. By 2025, they're expecting almost 30 billion in sales. That's huge growth. Then you look at the bottom line. The company is not making money right now on an annual basis, but I truly believe that this will change uh, very, very soon. So if I take a look at Carvana's estimates, the first annual uh, profit is estimated to take place in 2023 at about a buck a share. But from there, it should really skyrocket up. And by 2025, we should be uh, closer to probably about seven bucks a share. Uh, so you're, you're seeing a huge potential upside here, huge growth. This is a situation where even though it's a $50 billion company, it's still an early stage company where you wanna see revenue growth, we're seeing that, and then you wanna see a path to profitability. And we're seeing that path to profitability. So that is one that, that you wanna keep an eye on. Uh, another one in, in the same area is uh, Vroom, V-R-M. 
And if we take a look at Vroom here, let's pull up the full screen for you. Uh, you can see the chart's a little bit different. It has not been acting nearly as well as Carvana. And this was a recent IPO from back in June, rallied up, and then it kind of ran into this whole sell-off um, here with the, uh, uh, with, with the growth stocks. But as you can see, it's, to me, I, I, I like the fact that it's, well, I don't like, but uh, as far as an opportunity to buy, it's down about, what, seven or eight straight days now. It's a, about a $5.7 billion company, very similar to Carvana. And if we take a look at the financials, last year uh, it had sales about $1.35 billion. If we're taking a look at the next couple years, $2.5 billion this year, just under $4 billion next year, and $6 billion by 2023. $6 billion. I just told you the company is only valued at $5.7 billion. So something's, something's amiss here. Something doesn't make sense. If you take a look at the company and you, and you um, value it very similar to Carvana, boy, oh boy, this stock is really, really cheap in my opinion. And the estimates for 2025, over $13.3 billion. $13.3 billion, again, for a company that is worth a little less than $6 billion. So where is the issue? And I think the issue comes in with the bottom line right now. Uh, I don't see it turning an annual profit for the next few years, and I think that's why it's valued at a much lower level. Uh, it's a little bit earlier stage company than Carvana. All that being said, I do see that there is a path that the losses, annual losses, are improving and, and should continue to improve, but they're reinvesting their growth back into the company. But if you have a company growing that quickly on the top line and it hits its goal of $13.3 in four years from now, I can't see how it doesn't trade at at least two times sales. So you're looking at $26.5 billion company, and it's under six right now. Four and a half X are from here. I, I just don't see how it's not. Uh, so uh, I think this is a, a, a great opportunity here. And we'll take a look at one more that is in this area, another new company uh, to the markets here as well. Uh, and this is uh, Shift. This was a uh, SPAC, as you can probably tell, uh, in the chart here, where it kind of went flat at the $10 range, ran up on the news and sold off, and we're below that original $10 price on the SPAC. The name has changed, obviously, to the name of the company. So SFT is a simple symbol, and Shift Technologies, again, not too different than the other companies we talked about. It's end-to-end -end auto e-commerce platform uh, for used cars, uh, technology-driven, as they all say, but again, much smaller than the other two, $683 million company. Last year, it sales about $189 million. If we look forward, this year looking for $448, next year $825, up to $1.4 billion by 2023. Again, looking at a company that is trading about $683 million company. So again, if it hits its numbers, this is the type of company that to me looks like a great value down here. By 2025, they expect it to be three and a quarter billion dollars. Let's say it trades at two times that. That's simple math, that's 6.5 billion, right? If it's 6.5 billion and it's trading at 683 right now, that's about nine and a half times where it's at right now. Again, we don't know if they're gonna hit these numbers. And again, the reason that they trade much, uh, at much lower valuations than Carvana is because they don't yet have that path to profitability. Do I think they'll get there? I do. Uh, it's just gonna be a little bit further down. So until that happens, or until that's foreseen, these stocks will trade at a much bigger uh, discount. 
But again, there's three stocks to keep an eye on. Carvana, uh, Vroom, and Shift. And for full disclosure, I do own Vroom for some clients at my money management firm, Penn Financial Group. Just to, just to let that out there. So used cars suddenly is pretty damn exciting to me. Again, why is that important to you? Why are these numbers? And that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm gonna keep concentrating on in, in the days, weeks, months, years ahead for you. Taking these headlines and trying to find ideas and why it's important to you because there's too many people out there just spitting out ideas that are bullshit. Uh, just to make up ideas, and they're not looking at really what the headlines mean. So one more headline here, and this is solid state batteries. Uh, There's a headline that came out this week that uh, Solid Power, which is the name of a private company, it was actually spun out of the University of Colorado, which is my alma mater, um, alma mater for my MBA, not for undergrad, alma mater for my MBA. And uh, they just raised a Series B investment, private investment, where they brought in about $130 million. Some of the big names behind it was Volta Energy Technologies, Ford and BMW. So both Ford and BMW are anticipating using these solid state batteries uh, in their vehicles. To me, as you know anything about me, I love solid state batteries. I think battery technology as a whole is a great investment for the next three, five, 10, 15 years. There's gonna be a major upgrade in the battery technology. If I had to pick a winner, I still go to solid state batteries, but I feel like there could be a couple winners. But I think solid state battery really come out on top. Uh, we won't see it mass produced in vehicles for another five or so years, if not further, but we're starting to see it come out in some wearables. Uh, there's a company we have in our portfolio here for subscribers that uh, we just uh, put out with a new, uh, new newsletter last night. Uh, that is a Japanese company that's launching later this year solid state batteries for wearables, which is really cool. Not that this is a wearable, it's an actual watch. Um, I thought I had my Apple Watch on, but I don't. So this is big news that uh, you, you're seeing more and more of these big companies get into it. And keep in mind that we have an entire solid state battery portfolio for investment opportunities uh, newsletter. And we launched that, I think we launched it about a year, maybe two years ago now. Man, I, I, let me pull it up here. I'll take a look at it for you. Let me see, when, I can't remember when we launched all this stuff. Solid state batteries was launched January 3rd of 2019. So two, two years and three months, four months, two years and four months ago. And the average return on that's 260%. So we've done pretty damn well. Uh, we had one stock that we sold that was like a hedge. Uh, we sold it with a 4% gain, it got taken over. Uh, we have another stock up 32%. Uh, we have another one up 41%. We have another one up 92%. We have another one up 102%. And then we have one up 1300% right now. So that is of course a big winner. All of them are up, all six stocks are up. I still love all six and are very different ways to play. Uh, three of them are based in um, Japan. One is based uh, in France, and the fifth one, because we sold the sixth one, the fifth one is based in UK. So not one is based here in the US. So QuantumScape's not, not in there, but I wanna bring up QuantumScape only because when people think solid state batteries, this is what they're thinking these days. Uh, and this is one that is backed by uh, Bill Gates back in the day. Oh boy, what a saga going on there. Bill and Melinda getting divorced, huh? That's a hell of a rich divorce. So QuantumScape was a, a SPAC, 10 bucks, announced it, they went up to 20, pulled back down to 10, and then it had this big rally to 130, back down to 30 bucks right now. This is like a love-hate stock for a lot of people. And you really, it's, nobody's gonna say, oh, it's okay. Uh, it's gonna be a love or hate. I, actually, I'm gonna go with the okay. But a $12 billion market cap, very secretive company, really doesn't have any revenue yet for the most part, a couple million dollars last year. Uh, if I take a look at the estimates, you're really not seeing any uh, revenue coming in for the next couple of years. I don't even know if, if they have any revenue estimates at any time in the next couple of years. Let me take a look here for you. 
Um, no, we have no revenue estimates coming in. So they're years away. So something like this, where it's a $12 billion company based on a lot of what ifs, it, it's, that's aggressive to me. Uh, it doesn't mean that QuantumScape won't be a $200 million billion company at one point because it, be, it really becomes a leader in, in uh, solid state batteries. It could. It's just really aggressive for me right now in this type of market uh, because of the, the secretive nature that they have. I think if you do something like this, you add it to the basket like we have, where we have the five stocks and this maybe becomes a six stock because you want to lower the concentration and diversify uh, throughout different areas in solid state battery. But I still believe the battery technology will be one of the greatest, the greatest folks, uh, investment opportunities during the roaring 2020s and next 10 years. So we're going to wrap it there, but real quick, we talked about the jobs number, we talked about the markets, we talked about uh, uh, interest rates on the 10-year, we talked about the housing opportunities, Zillow, Redfin, we talked about cryptos, the altcoins cranking out the new all-time highs here for our portfolio and for my portfolio. We talked about uh, used cars, opportunities there. We talked about solid-state batteries and the opportunity there. I think there's a lot going on uh, right now. I'm loving this market. I think, again, uh, what we saw in this pullback in, in these tech stocks is just created a great long-term opportunity for us. Again, if you're, if you're thinking quarter to quarter, investing is going to be very difficult for you folks. You got to look at, at, at the big picture. Um, you, know, you look at portfolios. If you started, let's say, last year, and um, just using numbers, uh, hypotheticals, and your portfolio was up 100% at one point, but now you're only up 45%, but the market's up 35 in the same time frame, you're still crushing the market by 10% over uh, one one year, uh, that's huge. You're also beating it percentage-wise. You're beating the market by about 30%. But you just see that you were up 100, now you're at 45. So you're upset. You're mad. Why did I sell at the top? Well, because you're investing for five, 10, 20 years, and you have to think. Okay, from time to time, it's going to go up and down. But just think big picture. Think solid companies. The one way in this country to become wealthy is to invest in solid companies for the long term, and that's what we're trying to help you do here. So have a great, 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 wonderful weekend. I said great. It was great and wonderful together. A great weekend out there. Be safe. Be happy. Give somebody a hug. Um, spread the love, folks. Market's going to be here on Monday. Don't worry about it. We're having a nice end to the week. Let's hope this follows through. Hope the cryptos keep going and uh, a lot of opportunity out there. Uh, so I will see you back here Tuesday. Uh, I will say next Friday's show will not be from Baltimore. It's going to be from a Miami, as a matter of fact. And then next Tuesday's show after that will be from, you guessed it, Nicaragua. We're heading back down there for a few months. So again, thanks, folks. Have a wonderful weekend. We appreciate everything you do for us. Appreciate you watch us. Like, subscribe, comment down below. Have a wonderful weekend. I'm Matt McCall, and that was your Money Line. The Money Line with Matt McCall. Matt McCall. To find more information, head over to McCallMoneyWire.com. That's McCallMoneyWire.com.